Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. going on everybody welcome to another edition of full court press i'm your host nick as always i'm joined by joined by joel and Jawan. what's up Jawan? how you doing man what's going on guys i'm ready to talk some nba nice joel you made it man what's up yeah i'm here <laughs> nice how was the season finale uh, long. It's two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. All right, fellas. Well, uh, as always, we're going to go in the paint first, and uh, we're going to talk about games one and two of the finals. Um, very, uh, very uneventful, these these two games. Sort of similar to last year, although um, some, some you know, one, one glaring difference being uh, Kevin Durant. Um, Juwan, what what have you thought about the the first two games, and do you think Cleveland has a chance to uh, hell even make this a series? I won't even say win it. Just do you think they have a chance to make it a series? Um, I think what we'll see is um, the first two games. First of all, I'll start there. When exactly how me and you um, said, Nick? Um, 
or at least that I definitely figured they'd go. Um, I knew the series wouldn't start until Cleveland went home. Um, Warriors are a juggernaut. Um, right now they're going, I think they're the only team in NBA history to go undefeated um, this far through the uh, the playoffs and the finals. Um, yeah, the Lakers, the Lakers in 2001 uh, made it to the finals undefeated, but lost game one to Philly. Right. So, right. Yeah, I got that one game. Um, I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, unless, because this is what I always say. I always say LeBron's the kind of guy who doesn't want a um, a standout head coach. He's the head coach. And I always said when LeBron, when if LeBron ever came up against another juggernaut um, and didn't have a juggernaut of its own um, and didn't have a head coach, um, you know, of, of a higher stature than he does, it would catch up to him. Uh, the biggest reason why is um, it's now not even a thing of players versus players. It's a chess game. Um, I mean, Steve Kerr and, and the combination of Mike Brown, I give Mike Brown more credit than, than Steve Kerr. Um, it's all about knowing exactly, you know, when to put guys in, who to put in, uh, what matchups to do. And Warriors have just been obliterating Cleveland on, on all ends. And what's crazy is Steph Curry with all those turnovers and it's Still wasn't a game. Um, Draymond getting in yeah, he had like eight turnovers. Still wasn't a game. Eight turnovers. Draymond Green had four fouls. Durant had four fouls. Five fouls. Yeah. Still didn't matter. Five fouls. I'm sorry. I apologize. Five fouls. Um, And you had Clay have a very quiet Um, Mm twenty-two. So now what it's going to be is that game three. If Tyron Lue does not make the proper adjustments, like I think the first adjustment he should make is take JR out of the starting lineup. You need Shumpert in because with Shumpert in, he can kind of um, help LeBron out by guarding Durant so LeBron doesn't have to play defense and give a heavy load on offense. Um, and you yep. got to make sure the first guy off the bench is Darren Williams. Um, Darren Williams with LeBron, with Love, have Kyrie sit on the bench. Um, work in Channing Fry a lot more than you have been. Um, try to stretch the court, see if he can get some some good open shots um, in the corner. Um, that's going to have to be like the biggest uh, switch up that they do, because at this point it's a chess game, and if Cleveland loses this game three, um, it'll be a sweep. And if it's a sweep, I don't want to hear any excuses on LeBron's uh, behalf, because. When they had the opportunity to go get a juggernaut, Carmelo, by trading Love, he didn't want that because we know he's the GM. He didn't want that. He said they were fine. They were top-heavy as, you know, as, as hell is what he was saying. Um, so I don't want to hear any excuses. Had the opportunity, turned it down. So now this team needs to get it done or LeBron's going to have to go through some, some – crazy things in this offseason to get Cleveland anywhere close to knocking off the Warriors. Yeah. Well, especially with another season under their belt and just, you know, that I mean, they already look like uh, just a well-oiled machine, but like you give them, you give them another year of, of gelling and, and getting to play with one another and not to mention, um, you know, I mean, they already know. KD's already said he's going to take the non-bird option. 
so that he doesn't ask for a max contract next year. So they will be able to bring back um, Livingston, Iguodala, and keep this team intact. So they're going to be just coming right back just the way they are um, with only minor tweaks. Like you might get somebody else in there instead of Harrison Barnes or something like that, but like that matters. Um, Joel, uh, what do you think so far of, uh, of the first two games? And, I mean, do you – like, where do you see it going now? Do you do you see LeBron pushing it to maybe six, um, or do you think it's just going to be a massacre? I wouldn't go as far as a massacre, but um, say everything that's going on is everything I feared when KD went to Golden State. Um, yeah. <laughs> I felt like it would be unfair for the league, and it's exactly what it's been. It's been unfair. It's been just a cakewalk, and it's been – it's been fucking annoying to watch. I'll say that. Because um, I, I, I kind of like competition. I don't know. That's just me. I like to see other teams compete. And it's just hard when you have four guys on the other side that are just as good as they are. Um, and it's just, it's just, kinda, it's just annoying. Um, but they are, they're, they're un- inc- incredible yesterday. The, the fact that, uh, Cleveland played better than they played in game one and still got blown out at the end. It was just ridiculous considering they got this time um, turnovers wasn't uh, Cleveland's problem. This time rebounding was their problem. And they just couldn't get any boards. And they got outshot. I think like Golden State hit like 23s. It was ridiculous. Yep. Oh, uh, it was uh, – it's, it's crazy how the, the firepower this team has. They, they legit have two superstars and then two all-stars on the side. You know, you know how hard that is for any team to go up against something like that, and you want to yeah. take them out in, you know, four games, not one. You know, just to get one, I'd probably maybe get one, but you know, it is what it is. I, I'm just, it's just sad that it, it, this is what it is. I mean, if you let's say some people like watching teams just dominate and wreck, like a wrecking ball through the league, and I guess you know it's not really my thing. I kind of like to see some parody, but it is what it is. Yeah, you know, I mean, I kind of feel the same way as you to a certain extent. Um, I don't fault KD at all, especially after watching these last two games. Um, you know, you we can all use the narrative. Um, I've said it. Y'all have heard me say it, that I said, man, KD's a bitch. He's leaving this team to go play for the team that beat him and, you know, this and that and what have you. But when it all comes down to it, I mean, I don't – I honestly don't think – any of that is what's factoring into it. I don't think, I don't think that was the mindset that Katie was coming from. I mean, that's how it looks from the outside looking in, but Mm -hmm. I mean, I think he made the right basketball decision. He is playing the most effortless basketball that he has ever played in his whole career. And that's what sticks out to me the most that like, there's kind of been this, this narrative and we'll talk about a few different narratives that have popped up um, after these first two games. But one of the big ones is, Oh, well, you know, where was, where was that defense when KD played for Oklahoma city? Well, he's able to put so much more effort into defense because he's not having to put so, as much effort in on the offensive side, because the way the mm-hmm. warriors work and the players they have and the schemes that they they draw up and how they run their offense, it's effortless, especially game mm-hmm. one. 
I mean, how many how many wide open dunks did Katie have in game one? At least yep. four, if not five. Cleveland's um, not a defensive team either, so there you go. Right. Yeah, but like, but I, and I agree with with both of you guys. I mean, they played better in game two, and like, they forced twenty turnovers uh, yep. on Golden State. Um, Kevin Love was straight balling. Like he was playing. Yep. I've I've never seen Kevin Love play a playoff game that well. That was the best playoff game of his career. LeBron James got a triple double, um, and that was still not enough. I mean, it's just not enough. Oh. Like they're mm-hmm. gonna need Kevin Love to keep playing like he did in Game Two. They're gonna need LeBron to um, to be able to play like he did in the first half, but sustain that for the whole game. Um, which is just like Jawan said, they're going to have to figure out some way to put somebody else on KD because, I mean, KD is going to get his, but, like, you can't – you just can't have have LeBron using all of his energy playing defense and then be gassed halfway through the third quarter. That's happened twice in a row now, two games in a row. And, damn it, Kyrie's got to step up. I mean, he had an okay game one. He had a bad game two. And, I mean, he was, it's just like he was non-existent. And right. he's, turning, he's turning the ball over. He's, you know, like anytime he goes to the paint, everybody's like collapsing on him. And it's like he's so used to just being this dominant um, this dominant ISO player that like, mm-hmm. it's like it's like he doesn't know what to do once he gets double team. He doesn't make the right passes, you know. And, I mean, there's just so much work that they have to do. Um, I... I originally predicted six. Right now, I'm thinking five. I'm thinking Cleveland will find a way to win um, the next game. Uh, but I'm thinking, you know, the adjustments get made. And if if they can't win game four, I don't think there's any chance that they're going back to Cleveland. I think the Warriors, if they can get one of these games at Cleveland, I think they'll close it out at home in game five. And that'll be all she wrote. And you know what? I don't mind, you know, I, well, I don't like dynasties. I like, I'm with you, Joel. I like it when, you know, it's it's uh, a lot of different teams winning it, different years. That's why the, the like, 80s were okay to me because you did have two dynasties, but you also had your Detroits in there and your Philadelphia in there for a year, and they split it up so it wasn't just, you know, the Lakers and Celtics every fucking year. Um, right. and you had competition, not just in the finals, but like getting to the finals was a, was a challenge. And like the, the, you know, like we talked about last week, these playoffs for both sides were just a cakewalk. So, um, and, uh, I do want to say one more thing, uh, before we pontificate a little bit. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll pose two questions and pass it to you, Juwan. Uh, question number one do you still think Boston should trade their young assets, knowing that, that, that what's waiting for them uh, in the finals, even if they were to make it there? And two, um, if, uh, if say, this series only goes five games uh, or they get swept, um, what do you think Cleveland does in the offseason to try to, you know, try to get a team together that can compete with this team? Um. 
to answer your first question, if you're Boston, hell yes. Um, mainly because what you don't want to have to do is um, have to rebuild again. Um, Brad Stevens isn't that good of a uh, of a damn coach to uh, be able to coach <laughs> kids back into uh, <laughs> like the Eastern Conference Finals or anything like that. So, no, you don't want to um, you don't want to lose Isaiah Thomas while he's in his prime. Horford, while you can get like an ounce out of him, um, a lot of these guys you've already developed. Like none of these, like if Isaiah Thomas is gone and Horford's gone, like that's that team. Um, I don't know if you can necessarily uh, win fifty something games with that team without those two, um, especially whatever you know, whoever you decide to draft, um, and then even yeah, depending well, on who you get in free agency. Yeah, well, that's what I was gonna say. Like Horford, Horford's locked up for for three more years after um, uh, right. going forward. Um, but but yeah, Isaiah Thomas and Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart all on one year deals starting next year. Um, right. But like, what what I'm getting at is like, don't you think, given the opposition that's out out west right now, to me, it's not necessarily even about like you know, making a trade to compete with LeBron, but making sure that the, if you're going to trade a future first-round pick or either next year's, uh, uh, you know, uh, potential top five pick, more than likely top five pick, um, like I would – my main concern would be can I can I compete with Golden State? And I don't think you're going to get enough back well, with any of that to be able to do it. No. Honestly – if it was any other team in the East, I'd tell you, hell no. Just pack your bags, go home, um, do what you can do just to survive the East. But what people keep sleeping on is over the past couple of seasons, the only fucking team that's had Golden State's number in the regular season is Boston. That's There's true. There's something that's about Brad Stevens that he's able to coach these fucking guys to beat these juggernauts. So if you give Brad Stevens yeah, but they a didn't. They didn't have KD the last couple of years when they were really, you know, seemed to be no, 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 more often. The main, the main thing I give Brad Stevens credit for is he's able to neutralize Clay and Steph. So yeah. if you can get yeah, but now you got KD too. Right. So if you can get a Jimmy Butler who plays really good defense, or a Paul George who plays really, really, really good defense. You then make that series definitely, at least on paper, a lot more interesting than if you just go with the team you have now and let's say you had a Gordon Hayward, who's giving you all the offensive uh, firepower you know you could possibly uh, take, but just wouldn't be able to stop or even come close to neutralizing Durant. So if I'm Boston, knowing that without KD I've had that team's number, Adding a Paul George who can play uh, very well on both ends, that can then make it very, very interesting if you're Boston. It's a risky proposition, but I, I see where you're coming from. I feel very you. risky. Um, very risky. I agree. Yes, yeah. I think I would just wait. I'm not even sure that I would sign Gordon Hayward now. I think, honestly, I yep. think I would just wait, keep keep your picks, Um Maybe sign, try to sign somebody else who's not going to cost you quite as much money because they're going to have to they're going to have to pick and choose what they want to do with Avery Bradley 
with Isaiah Thomas, with Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's a restricted free agent, so they can match anything that comes his way. Um, but they're going to have to – they're going to be looking at a serious luxury tax issue if they're not careful. And, you know, play, paying the luxury tax is all well and good if you're competing for a championship. I would hate to be paying $50 million in luxury tax when I'm not even getting out of the East. So, um so yeah, I mean it, it's it's going to be interesting. I think Boston's one of the most interesting stories this off season to see what they do. Um, but as far as Cleveland, um, you know, I know we're we're speculating here, but I feel like you know, given what we've seen so far, we have some ground to stand on in doing so. Um, what what kind of move would you make if you're Cleveland and you either get swept or lose in five? Oh, um, I have three three things Cleveland uh or three ideas uh that Cleveland should definitely look uh definitely I'm sorry, look into. One being, mm-hmm. um you've already had a deal on the table that I guarantee you if you call a certain um douchebag up in New York would definitely still <laughs> make that uh that trade. Um, Absolutely. go get mellow. Go get mellow. Um the biggest thing I always told everyone is because everyone always goes, well, Melo doesn't play defense. The ball stops with Melo. Those were a lot of things. Well, I won't say as far as a ball hog. KD didn't play this kind of defense in Oklahoma City, like at all. Right. At all. Um, what happens is when you get with a team where you don't have to do as much, it then opens up your game to do very well and exceed in other things. So if you're Melo, and this is what I keep trying to tell people. LeBron has a way about him that he just brings out as much of the greatness that you have in you out of you. Um, JR became a better player by going with LeBron. Shumpert became a better player by going with LeBron. Um, Melo would be a better overall player with LeBron, with, without a doubt, without a doubt. He wouldn't even question his role. He'd spot up in the corner and just be a sniper for uh, for LeBron. And he can take control when LeBron sits. Melo can then be the top guy, um, you know, with, with the bench guys, um, you know, keeping keeping the momentum and everything going. But let's right. say that's off the table. They don't want to go that route. Question. Isn't that guy in New Orleans, isn't he going to be a free agent? Uh if not this this off season, um, next off season. Yeah, Demarcus. I think his Cousins. name is Demarcus Cousins. Yeah. Yeah. You make a phone call to the Pelicans and let them know you're interested in Demarcus, which he'll hear that, and then trust me, Demarcus Cousins will want to go play with LeBron James and just completely mm-hmm. obliterate the East. Because um, that's that's what you need, honestly, in my opinion to defeat the Golden State Warriors, a solid big man. Um, so what, but what do the, you, like, what do you, what do you think that would cost them though? Honestly, I'd give up, uh, I'd give up, I'd give up Tristan Thompson and um, anything else they asked for, you know, being within reason. But I don't think the Pelicans, honestly, because they don't have that much um, to hold over Cleveland, mainly because, um, if DeMarcus Cousins, um, you know, doesn't sign a, a, an extended deal with the Pelicans, uh, nine times out of ten, I'll probably try to uh, see what he can do in, in free agency in another year. 
Um, side offer up Tristan Thompson, uh, Kyle Korver, um, maybe even like an Iman Shumpert, honestly. Um, I'd have to really lay this out to see exactly what they could uh, give um, Sacramento, not Sacramento, I'm sorry, Pelicans, that's, that's worth it. Um, but Tristan Thompson's definitely the top guy I'm letting go of. Because what I need, uh, more so than a bench, <laughs> is um, Kyrie, LeBron, Love, and DeMarcus Cousins. Um, yeah. That easily, because DeMarcus Cousins isn't, like Tristan Thompson plays amazing um, defense, gets a lot of boards, but he does nothing offensively. DeMarcus Cousins right. would give it to you on both ends. And the fact that, right. uh, you know, over the course of his career, he's opened his game to where he can now shoot threes. So that opens the floor completely. You can spread it roll. even more. Exactly. Pick and roll, stuff like that with Kyrie, that would just be monstrous. Yeah. Or, and this is a huge or, you can make a phone call to the guys over in Indiana. Let them know you have done all you can with Kevin Love. And you go get yourself Paul George. You let Paul George know, listen, you don't want to go to the Lakers and have to rebuild with those guys. I know Magic's there. I know Magic's making it seem like the Lakers are going to be a yeah. uh, uh, you know, p- potential dynasty in the next coming years. No, you're going to get knocked out of the West every year. <laughs> every year. You're too you're too old for that, man. You don't you don't need to be going through that. Come here, play with LeBron, and I guarantee you you will be a bona fide Hall of Famer and you will definitely be in the finals and with Paul George. It then makes that um that uh that series against the Warriors cuz you know, Warriors nine times out of ten probably be there again next year if Durant stays. That will make that series again on paper very, very, very different than what it is right now. Because, um, like I said, Paul George can be the guy that defends um, Kevin Durant, which leaves LeBron then open to play a lot more offense and not have to stress about defense. So yeah. my biggest thing is if you're Cleveland and you get swept and or lose in five games. You make a call to Indiana, you make a call to New York, or you make a call to the Pelicans. The best one out of out of all of those, or I wouldn't say the best one, the most realistic one uh, would be them going to go get Carmelo Anthony and you just getting rid of Kevin Love. Yeah, I think well, I think that would be the the one that we both know would be a lock. Um, you know, I I would find it. I've, they're going to have to give up draft picks for years and years and years if they want to get DeMarcus Cousins. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Like, like just – yeah, exactly. They would have to move – like, they'd have to move the, their Atlanta pick to 2018, and then you can't give up, like, picks in, like, year after year after year. It has to be every other year. The Stepien rule, I believe it's called. So you'd have yeah. to give up probably your 2020, 2024, and 2026 first rounders at least, at least, or maybe convince the Hawks to go back to to 20, and you know take off the the um, top 10 protection on it, and then you can give them 18, 22, 24, some something like that. But 
Yeah, it would be tricky. It would be really tricky. I mean, I think it would be worth it because you got to win now. But, um, but yeah, it would, it would definitely be tricky. Um, Joel, I mean, what do you, what do you think uh, about either those options or do you – do you see like maybe a different option of something that you you think they should do? I have no specific option, but um, what I was saying, all Durant did was now you know if let's say they get swept, even if they don't get swept, let's say they even win two games, yeah, and they still you know obviously they still lose a series. The point is Cleveland's gonna have to go and they're gonna have to match somehow Golden State. So it doesn't matter which way they go to get. They need another star on that team, and they need mm-hmm. to build a bench. So they need a def- what they need is another wing defender and, of course, another star to even come close to what they got in Golden State. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Just to match up. Absolutely. Just to match up. You know what I mean? It's it's just – I mean, you could go the New York route. That's probably the easiest route to go. That will probably the most – without, you know, killing yourself, it's probably going to get mellow. I would not be opposed to that. Um you could you could probably go the Paul George route, fine, sure. Um, probably cost you more money in the long run. Um, he's but he'll be a free agent soon. You can go Jimmy Butler route if you really try. Uh, you could probably go. You could go the Demarcus, you know, Cousins route, sure. I mean, it, there's a lot of options out there. There's a lot of stars out there. It's just a matter of, you know, Cleveland's going to be giving up a lot of their future for it. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on who they go after, unless if they unless they're patient, of course, and they wait. Some of these guys are free agents, and they finagle their 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 uh their money because these guys ain't coming cheap. I'll tell you that much. So well, yeah, and that's I mean, the thing. Like they they can't they can't sign anybody without trading for them. Like right. because they just they're already so so far over the cap. I mean, literally, LeBron James. Could I, I don't think his his option is this upcoming season, but the next season, but he could opt out, sign a veteran minimum, and they still wouldn't have any money to sign anybody. So yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But it does give them it does give them the option of of because they have several several different contracts at several different amounts, it gives them a lot of flexibility to try and make trades work. Um, all right, so. Man, I, this is gonna sound crazy, but just just hear me out on it, all right? Um, and and kind of stick just stick with me on this. Um, yeah, here we go. Um, I think that they need to win now. That's that should be priority number one um, because LeBron's got about three years left of prime basketball, um, and I would not even concern myself with you know, what happens post-LeBron. Like, I'm trying to win. Last thing I want to have happen is, you know, LeBron leave again or anything crazy yeah. like that. I don't think you would, but nevertheless. Can't you want to take chance. Yeah, you can't take the chance, and you want to, like, you want to compete with Golden State. So what I would do is I would say I would call up Philadelphia, and I would say, hey, I'd, I'd – if I'm if I'm the GM, I say LeBron, call up Chris Paul, tell him to go sign. We're going to work out a sign and trade with Philly because Philly's got plenty of cap space. He can't get the fifth year with them, but he can get four years. And if I'm Cleveland, I send them uh, the small contracts of Kay Felder, um, Eddie Tavares, 
and Channing Fry to make the money work and then send them Kyrie Irving. Get Chris Paul and then get T.J. McConnell so you you have a backup point guard for Chris Paul. Get Robert Covington so you have a backup small forward in case Richard Jefferson retires. And get Rashawn Holmes so you have a backup center for um, for Tristan Thompson. And then get their 2018 Lakers first-round pick and their 2019 Sacramento first-round pick. And I try to, to utilize I, – I take Chris Paul. Sorry, Kyrie. Like, you don't play defense. You're going to be probably one of the best players in the league. I mean, you already are. But you don't play defense. We need to win now. We just got Chris Paul and two – premium first-rounders for you, plus three solid bench players. Um, and if you're if you're Philadelphia, I don't see any reason why you don't do it because you're adding exactly what you need in a scoring point guard who you can run with Ben Simmons, who, you know, for all intents and purposes, I mean, we, we don't know because we haven't seen it yet, but, he, you know, he supposedly – plays the point forward kind of like LeBron. He just can't shoot as well. So, you know, they they should be able to work Irving seamlessly into that offense. And then I take those two first-round picks and try to figure out how I can either get – I kind of like your idea, Juwan, of getting to Marcus Cousins. I mean, if you could take one – say either one or it might cost you both of those picks – um, plus a Tristan Thompson and add Cousins. So then you had, you know, CP3, um, uh, I guess, you know, whoever at shooting guard, Shumpert or, or Smith, LeBron, Love, Cousins. Um, but, you know, regardless, that that first move is what I would do. Get, get CP3 on the team. So then you got CP3, you got LeBron, you got Love, and you got two premium uh, draft picks that you can utilize to trade to get uh, DeMarcus Cousins or uh, Paul George or somebody like that to, you know, fill out that roster. I think uh, – I definitely think Philly would take it because when you break it down, Philly's, Philly's given up two first-round picks and a couple bench players to get Kyrie Irving, <laughs> you know, like – I would definitely make that trade. I would definitely make that trade if I'm Philly because it's not like you're really giving up Chris Paul because Chris Paul wouldn't sign with you. Like, you know what I mean? He's the only reason he's doing it is because you have the cap space and the assets to sign and trade him to Cleveland. So that's what I would do. Um, And it's funny because I had thought about this earlier this year as like an option for them, like maybe a month ago. And then Kyrie just went off against Boston. And I was like, nah, man, no fucking way. Like, no, you you can't do that, you know. But, like, man, they're not trying to beat Boston. They're trying to beat fucking Golden State. And if they get fucking swept or losing five games and you can get Chris Paul and the necessary assets to, to get another, you know, all-star or superstar even, um, you know, I, I mean, I think you've got to fucking do it, you know. No, I mean, and then, that's a trick. And then maybe really... yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely is. And and of course, there's no guarantee that Chris Paul would even do it. I mean, but the thing is, 
it, with the contracts as I lined them up, you could offer him a four-year max deal. Um, now, this is also, right. though, there's no guarantee that Dan Gilbert's willing to pay that fucking money because you're at, now you're asking right. him to pay even more luxury tax. Um, now, you are right. saving him from having to pay Kyrie Irving that, you know, crazy fucking, that new rule where if you make an all-NBA team and you're with the team that drafted you, they, they, they can pay you, like, well above the salary cap. So, I mean, right. unless I mean, Kyrie gets hurt in his contract year, he, you know, you're going to have to pay him a shit ton of money then anyway. But, Juwan, what were you going to say? My biggest issue in that, that trade, uh, love it. The only issue is Chris Paul doesn't make you any better than um, – he doesn't solve your issues. Your issue is still you need someone that can try to um, guard and or neutralize Durant. Um Chris no, I Paul know, but what what I'm saying is you're getting what, – what you're doing is you're kind of – you're rigging the system so that you can get Chris Paul in exchange for Kyrie Irving, but then also get the the two first-round picks. You're, you would be getting the Lakers' 2018 first-rounder and the Sacramento Kings' 2019 first-rounder. The Kings are going to be shitty for a while. So I mean, I will um, say this. I like the idea of that. If you're telling me then Cleveland flips those two draft picks to absolutely. go out and try to get Demarcus Cousins, so yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Cleveland, if you could take, right? Like so, say you say right. you take those two picks, you, you and say maybe they're even like, well, we want uh, we want another first rounder. You could move Atlanta's first rounder to 2018, just like they did this past year with Portland, so that they so that they could make the Atlanta trade to get Corver. So you could move that, then you could offer them the 2018 Lakers pick, the 2019 Kings pick, and the 2020 Cleveland pick, plus Tristan Thompson in exchange for DeMarcus Cousins. There's no motherfucking way, if I'm New Orleans, that I would turn that down. I mean, I do understand that. My only issue is Chris Paul is not consistent offensively. Oh, no, I get it. And I just don't think he's a better. He was No, also true. Facing um, Golden State, you do need someone who, if they can't stop Curry, can at least score on Curry. And although Kyrie did have a horrible game too, let's not forget Kyrie. Um, Kyrie and LeBron were the two-headed monster that beat that Golden yeah. State team uh, last year. Um, yeah, I but don't CP3, know like, you know CP3 is a – is a, he's a clutch defender, though. Like, he, yes, he's been – absolutely. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're getting a player that is much better at defending who can, who can play defense a lot better. Now, you're giving up about six, uh, three inches in height. Um, so, I will you know, say I mean, you have though. to consider that as well. I will but it's say not this, like though. Curry's tall. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand that. But Curry's always had Paul's number. Um, even with Paul defending Curry. Yeah, but Paul's Curry, always had shitty still... teams that with people who were hurt and all that kind no, of no, shit. No, like... no, 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 no. I don't even I don't even I don't even mean uh wins to losses. I'm just equating to Curry being guarded by Paul. He's always hmm. had Paul's number. Like Paul hasn't been able to like neutralize and or stop Curry. Neither has Kyrie. Yeah. But at least Kyrie can give you something offensively. 
Paul can't. So yeah, right. the only thing, only thing I keep only thing I keep weighing out is all right. So we know Paul's defense isn't going to necessarily stop Curry. So then I need him to be able to do what he can't defensively, offensively, and he's nowhere near as consistent and or lethal offensively as as Kyrie Irving is. That's so true, but he has more. He when, he's got a really good mid range. Like he doesn't have Kyrie. He has a phenomenal mid range. Like, yeah, like right. he doesn't. He's it's not a three point threat like Kyrie is at all. So I give you that. Right. But he's also more of a distributor. So I think that you know, like you're looking like it, like they went out and got Darren Williams, who's just like a shell of what Darren Williams used to be. Um, yes, he is. And if if you can get Chris Paul and run like Paul and and James together, but then all, also always have one or the other on the court to lead the offense. Um, See, like I think that is too where it helps you because you're not putting so much of the you're not putting so much of the focus on LeBron to have to run the offense all the time. You know what I mean? So like, like you were saying, another big issue. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, like you were saying with, you know, this, this finals is, you know, with him having to play so much defense, it's hard for him to, to get, you know, be as effective throughout the game offensively. Well, I, I would wager too, that as much ball handling as he's had to do, um, it, it's kind of it's a similar thing that takes a lot of effort. If he can take, you know, twenty plays off a game and let Chris Paul run the point, um, or even ten, fifteen more plays than he does now, let Chris Paul take more of that, more of that um, handling away uh, that he has to do, and you know he can be a catch and shoot guy because you know LeBron can do yeah, that he, if, if if he needed to. He just He's more needed to facilitate the offense I'm gonna as, be completely as, as their team's currently constructed. Yeah. I'm going to be completely honest with you. That's his weakness. I don't think he would thrive in that. Um, LeBron's one of those guys that you need to drive, um, drive to the basket or at least drive and dish. Um, my biggest thing is come fourth quarter, late in the game, LeBron's going to want ball in his hand. It'll be in Chris Paul's hand. And you telling him he has to play off ball is not a strength of his. Never has been, never will be. Um, yeah, because but someone I would, can do it doesn't mean it's something yeah. they thrive in. Sure. I'll give you that. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. Um, but, like, my, my biggest thing from it would be, see, I wouldn't even necessarily go after um, go after Cousins. I didn't even think about that until you brought it up. Um, but I, mm-hmm. I did think about getting Paul George. So if you had if you had, you know, Paul George, um and you could even do maybe love for George, hang on to those picks and then move those picks in some kind of form or fashion to get, you know, like a a real qual like a Chris Middleton type to plug in at two. Or you could run Paul George at two. because um, if you're if you're thinking about playing Golden State, you would be playing on Clay Thompson who's really built and moves more like a three anyway. So you could get away with Paul playing the two, um, right. like in that, in that system. So, you know, I mean, it would just be the first step in what, you know, in a way for them to try and get, you know, uh, good enough. Uh, to, I know. I, I think, you know, that to try and maximize assets. Do, 
very true. The best thing they can do and the most realistic thing where they lose the least and gain the most is giving up love and plugging in Mello. Because Mello at this age uh, needs to be at the four, cannot play the three, like at all. Agreed. Not even a little bit. Um, So he has to be at the four. And then what he'll do is he'll space out and just become a shooter. Um, so what that'll do is that'll take a lot of the offensive needs off of LeBron because you can give it to a guy who can get it at any part of the court, like a Carmelo. So you keep Kyrie. You can even still go out and get a Chris Middleton. I believe Chris Middleton at this point in his career knows that he's not going, going to get um, that much from like, the Bucks as far as, like, getting past Cleveland. No, he's, he's not as old Middleton. as you think, man. He's, he's no, no, not no, 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 no. I, I, I don't, I don't mean age-wise. I mean after the injury that he just had, oh, this point yeah, in, yeah, in, yeah. in his career, he's not at a point where, um, you know, he's that piece that's getting the Bucks over anything. But he can right. most definitely be that plug-in piece that can help Cleveland. So your lineup. He's a great three and D guy. Exactly. Yes, so it could be Kyrie, Chris Middleton, LeBron, Melo at the four, Tristan at the five. That. Yeah, but here's your only problem, there, Juwan. Like you're on paper, but you're still. But now you don't. But you, if you just trade Love for Melo, you don't get any assets to go get you Chris Middleton. Like you don't have the assets unless you're like again, unless you're going to try to trade like your like four future draft picks, like just way down the line, and just completely decimate your drafting ability going forward. Or look at it like this. Look at it like this. Give the Bucks Jr. and Kyle Korver. Well, first of all, <laughs> Kyle Korver is a free agent. Um, but yeah. secondly, there ain't no way in hell the Bucks would take Jr. Smith whatsoever. Oh, no. N- not not to mention for Chris let, Middleton. Let me let me say this, and here's the reason why I think they will. Um, oh, Jr. Is, they will not. Hold on, hold on, Go hold ahead. on. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. This is a team that went out and got OJ Mayo. So this oh is a team God. that does, yeah. This team went that team went out and got OJ Mayo. Um, and if not for OJ Mayo being an idiot in his personal life, he'd still be on the Bucks like right now. Um, Jr. is somebody that can contribute offensively, and you getting someone like um, Giannis, who when he drives draws a, a double team. Jr. is up for the three. Chris That's Middleton pretty much is just the, better though, and younger, and more consistent. Wait. He's like everything I that J.R. Smith wishes I he was. I was well, yeah, to a degree, um, but I wouldn't. I mean, I think he shot yeah, over forty-four percent from three this past season. Like J.R. Smith, you said Corver's I'm not a free even. Agent? Yeah, Corver's a free agent. Damn, because that was my biggest piece. You just have to take J.R., but I'm giving you Kyle Corver. Yeah, Corver's Corver's like thirty-seven years old, dude. Yeah, he's getting right. old. He's he not can still hit the three. Yeah, but he has to get open. Yeah, I mean, he's just got to get drives, open. When Giannis drives, it draws a double team to which it does leave guys open. The Bucks need more shooters. So, okay, they don't want JR. They, you know, Kyle Korver is a free agent. That's fine. You can find other assets on, on Cleveland. Uh, to try to work around with, or do a three-team trade to try to work something out with them. Or Phil looks like he's ready to clean house. Maybe get Courtney Lee. That's a get good a pick. Lee. Lee. 
He's get a he's a little old. I I think Phil yeah, would is. part with him. He is. But your, your whole thing was your whole thing was okay. you got to win now. So I mean, no, Courtney I Lee know. Would be able what, to... I don't. I don't think Courtney Lee puts you over the hump though. No, no just, just my personal. Is, Courtney Lee's. Courtney Lee's just like Chris Middleton. That's not the guy that's putting you over. I said Mello's the guy that's putting you over. That's I don't, but I don't think Mello's addition. the guy who's putting you over either. I would rather keep no, love and put you over. No, no, I, no, no, no. What Mello can so. do on all ends of the floor, Kevin Love couldn't do in any day of his career. Mello can get you buckets from every ounce of the court. Yeah, and consistently. But they, but, yeah, but still, man. I mean, they. Like they still do, wouldn't it wouldn't help them at all defensively. Mello is like five years older. How is um, but how, now how I will is say Love this. helping them defensively? Well, he at least gets Love's your rebounds. Not them defensively. But he not that Mello doesn't get, get that many rebounds. Mello does get you that many rebounds. One of y'all look up how many rebounds they average, each of them average this past season. I guarantee you Kevin Love averaged like You can't count this because he had Przingis, and they worked in Hernan Gomez, who were getting a majority of the rebounds this season for the Knicks. So you got to let the guy in Przingis who's down low and Hernan Gomez, who are getting more rebounds than Mello. But he averages... At least twenty and ten. Uh, I w- I would challenge that. I would I would just no. look up their their career. <laughs> he never averaged twenty and ten. Yeah, Melo never averaged twenty and ten. No, like twenty five and seven maybe. Wait a yeah, minute. Yeah, like You're in telling his best me the year career. they went fifty games, Melo wasn't averaging twenty and ten. I don't think he was. No, because he was he, even then he Continue was playing talking. the three. He's not. He's like, not a career rebounder. He's a decent rebounder. He's a decent rebounder, but he's never. He's not as good as game. Love. Yeah. No, he's no not as near. good. At, he, yeah. So I mean, anyway, I just don't think that's enough to get you over the hump. I know my my thing is crazy far out there and asinine, but I think it's more plausible. Like I think all interested parties would benefit from from the deal. I don't. I don't see. I just don't I, – I don't see a way in which you could get Cousins for Thompson or a, a decent player to come in at the two for either Schumper or um, or J.R. Smith. Like, I just don't see a way you could, no. you could facilitate no, that. So, yeah. So, but, like – but I will say this. Um, the one thing that I – like, the ace that I would try to have up my sleeve is – you have LeBron James. At that point, you have Chris Paul. Um, Melo's got one more year left before he can opt out. And then D-Wade can opt out. But I would probably tell D-Wade, yo, I'd tell LeBron, man, call D-Wade, call Melo. Um, tell him just to wait it out. And tell D-Wade to opt in, make his $23.5 million, get paid. And then in 2018, they can both come sign player exceptions. And then we got both of them without having to trade anything to get them. Just come That's in, sign a one-year player exception, try to win a championship with LeBron and CP3. Mm. Oh, no, they're still greedy at their old age. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, you may be right. I mean, um, you know, I, I mean, I can't speak for that. Um, but, 
you know, I mean, if it's just one year, and besides, I mean, I think D Wade's only got two, three years left tops. Melo's yeah, got probably. a few more than that. But, um, four or five. But, well, anyway, it's, it's all interesting shit. Like, it'll be, it'll be really fun to watch Boston this offseason. It's going to be really fun to watch, um, the Cavs, um, you know, no matter what yeah. happens, like how they how they try to figure things out, and then of course you know all the other teams. I mean the the seeing if the Bulls trade Butler or you know where where Paul George might go, you know how 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 New Orleans is going to try to fill out their roster, you know, because they had to give up so much to get Cousins. So it's going to be interesting. It's it's definitely going to be. Uh, something fun to watch. Um, so, as I mentioned earlier, there's a, there's another little narrative that's kind of going around that I want to touch on before we move uh, move on to the draft board. Um, so, basically, I've seen this thing few few different places today that says, uh, and, it, and it's been a, somewhat of an ongoing thing, that, uh, you know, Jordan, it's this kind of constant Jordan versus LeBron thing that we we just right. keep getting all the time, and it's this kind of notion that Jordan, like Jordan, never played teams that were as good as the teams that LeBron's having to play or has had to play in his career. And so I just wanted to kind of delve in, into this for a minute. Um, so two things: one, LeBron James has never competed for a championship. Now, I say that he went to the finals, but he wasn't competing. We all know that 2007 team should not have even been there. It was a fucking miracle that he took them there. Um, and so I don't, I, I'm kind of just putting them off to the side. But when he went, after he went to Miami, since he played the four years there and he's played the three years here for seven years, he yep. has had two All-Stars on his team. Had uh, two uh, himself and then two other All-Stars. That's been kind of the... The model that's been set forth um, since, you know, kind of since Boston did it. Um, and, you know, that's what, uh, you know, that's what he felt he had to do uh, to win a championship. And it's, he's probably right. I don't, I don't really fault him. And now the Warriors just kind of up the ante and was like, you know, fuck it. We'll go ahead and do four, right? Well, so there's this, there's this notion that, you know, that Michael, that his, you know, he never played teams that had, you know, multiple all-stars and that were just, you know, so much better. Well, two things. One, Michael Jordan never played on a championship or any time he played on the Bulls. At no time did he have two all-stars on his team at the same time. Dennis Rodman, by the time he got to the Bulls in 95, was 34 years old. He hadn't been an all-star for three years. Um, the last time he was an all-star was in 1992 in Detroit, and he was at the tail end of his career. He was a all, – all he did was get rebounds. That's it. That's all Dennis Rodman did. He did it well. In fact, in the 96-97 season, he got average 16 rebounds a game. So he did his job. He got rebounds. But he's a role player, or he was a role player, like, if if your only job is to get rebounds, then you're basically Tristan Thompson. You're not an all-star. You're a role player. So let's dispel that myth, you know, just just right away. Like, and then you know earlier in in his his first three-peat, um, you know, he didn't have anybody else on that 
uh, team other than Pippen as well. So out of Jordan's six championship seasons, four of those six, Scottie Pippen was an all-star. He wasn't an all-star in 91. He wasn't an all-star in 98. Um, now, I don't say that that he wasn't an all-star caliber player because he certainly was. He just didn't make the all-star team for whatever reason that year. All right. So first things first, there's that. Jordan, only one all-star on his team. If you look at the six teams that he faced, well, five really. The Lakers in 91 had Magic Johnson, an 11-time all-star, three-time MVP. He had been in the league for quite a while, but he was still at the top of his game. He had won the MVP the year before that in 1990. He had won the MVP in 89. Jordan won it in 88, and then he won it the year before that in 87. So he and Jordan were already kind of having this this five-year um, run starting in 87 up until 91 of, you know, who was the better player, you know, trying to position for who's Who's the best player in the league? So Jordan wins the MVP in 91. They go. They beat the Lakers in five. Uh, they also had James Worthy, who is a six-time All-Star. So the Lakers had two All-Stars. And mind you, all of these teams have depth. They, you know, they, there's none of these teams that don't have depth. You don't make it to the finals if you don't have depth, unless you're the 2007 cast. Although they had depth, they just didn't have another All-Star. Um, Blazers. Clyde Drexler, six-time All-Star. Terry Porter, one-time All-Star. Suns in 93. Charles Barkley, seven-time All-Star. MVP, Dan Marley, two-time All-Star. Defensive Player of the Year, Kevin Johnson, two-time All-Star. They had three. The Suns had three All-Stars to the Bulls, two, and they had the MVP that year. So, again, like this narrative that, that, that Michael didn't play anybody it's kind of bullshit. He didn't have as much firepower as LeBron did, but still took on teams with, you know, three all-stars on them. Same thing in 96 with the Sonics. Kemp, Peyton, Shrimp. Uh, Kemp was a four-time all-star. Peyton was a three-time all-star and defensive player of the year. And Detlef Shrimp was a two-time all-star. And mind you, all of these guys, uh, they were in their prime too. Like, they had been in all-star games, either had been all-stars before were all-stars in the seasons that the finals took place or and or were all-stars later on. So they were all all-stars before and after these these um, playoff years. Uh, and then, of course, in 96, 97, 97, 98, you had Carl Malone, 10-time all-star Malone, 9-time all-star Stockton. Carl uh, Malone was an MVP in 97. So, like, yeah... Jordan didn't play teams that were as good. I'll give you that. But Jordan's teams weren't as good. They didn't have as much firepower. The reason that Jordan's teams dominated wasn't because he played weak teams. It was because Michael Jordan was that fucking good. So um, I'll, give, I'll give a few passes on some of the narratives because um, context is always important. So, like, when you're looking at um, – say, a, a season like this year, like, yeah, like, there's, you're obviously outmanned. Like, I get it. There, you, you can't just blanket that excuse all the way across, and you don't have to cut down Michael to make that point. You can just simply say, well, this fucking team has, you know, three all-NBA players and another who should be and four all-stars. Like, tired of this fucking bullshit, cutting down Michael, 
And then just one more thing. For anybody out there who still is, like, maybe not convinced, here's their playoff stats. Points per game, Michael, 33.4, LeBron, 28.3. These are their career playoff stats. Um, Field goal percentage, Michael, 48.7, LeBron, 48.4. Check on Michael. I heard the narrative, I think we talked about it last week, that LeBron shot fewer. He had to play in more games to get to eclipse Michael at points, but he shot fewer shots. That's because he's attempted more than double the amount of threes that Jordan did. It's not because he was more efficient. Jordan's percentage, his field goal percentage, is still slightly better than his, Um, which brings me to three-point percentage. Jordan, 33.2. LeBron, 32.9. I always hear all this talk about how much better of a three-point shooter uh, LeBron is, but that's only come in, like, the last couple of seasons. He had, like, consistently from from beginning to – to now he hasn't been a great three-point shooter. He has been recently, and he will surpass Michael in three-point percentage, I'm sure. Um, but that's, you know, that's only been in the last couple years. Uh, free throw percentage, 82.8 Michael, 74.4 LeBron. Michael's won all four of these categories so far. Now LeBron finally gets one, rebounds 8.8 to 6.4 to 2.4 in his favor. Assists, 6.8. LeBron, Michael, 5.7. So there's only a 1.1 assist difference there. And you always hear about how much of a great passer, um, how much, not not that LeBron is not a great passer, but you always hear how much better of a passer he is than Michael. Um, No, Michael just aimed to score. Like that was was more of his goal, whereas LeBron's goal is not. And so like there's also the narrative – like, well, LeBron could go score if he wanted to. He just wants to get other people involved. Well, that's fine. Like, that's that's kind of more his flow. I don't fault him for it. And, you know, it works for him. He's one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Um, but, like, you can't have it both ways and then, you know, and then say, uh, you know, Jordan only has one assist less than him. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he's out there trying to score and then hitting the open guy when he gets double teamed. So it's like same thing, vice versa. Steals, Jordan 2.1, LeBron 1.8, blocks, uh, LeBron 1.0, Jordan 0.9. It's only one-tenth of a difference there. Turnovers, LeBron 3.6, Michael 3.1. Playoff stats, they, I think, iron it out. Um, I don't – what do you guys think? Like, does, have I have I made a good case as to why all of these stupid arguments are indeed stupid, Joel? Uh, yes, I would say yes. I, I would definitely agree with you. I mean, there's a lot of stupid debates. I mean, I've been having stupid debates all week. So <laughs> some people, some people, are, some people are just stubborn. You just can't, you know. And they don't always do their research, so it's just a matter of what they remember. And it's just it's easier to to, to talk about what's now and who's better now compared to then because you see them every day. Like, I, I, yeah. I watched Jordan as a kid, but I don't remember Jordan as clearly as I'm going to remember LeBron because I grew up right. with LeBron. Yeah. You know, it's different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is. I just think it's important not to lose track of, you know, you know, you always got the numbers. And, you know, when you can look at everything. And I'm like, I'm not – and the thing is, I'm not even a LeBron hater. It's funny. I got called um, – a, a bronze sexual 
the other day on a, on a social media platform, and I was like, I was like, I don't, dude, I don't know how the fuck you even took that. Like, I guess because I'm not a hater. So if you're not a hater, then you're a, you know, you're a fucking, then you love the guy. I love her. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm, I, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm in the middle, man. I'm just, I try to look at everything and say, well. You know, this is what the empirical evidence says. And, you know, I'm not even one to uh, to try to chop chop LeBron down for for not being perfect in the finals. MJ fans, like, in, MJ fanboys drive me crazy with that shit. Like, oh, 6-0, 6-0. He'll just, you know, then that's, like, the only thing they have to say. And it's like, dude, it, it, what, you should just say 6. That's all. That's all you need to say. Because, to me... I'm not going to penalize LeBron for getting there like and not nope. winning, not winning at all. Um, you know, like but I'm not going to give him brownie points for it either. So, I don't care that he's made seven straight finals. I don't care that he's lost four finals. Um, all I care is that he's won 3 and Jordan won 6 in the same amount of time. And I think if LeBron wants to surpass Jordan, he needs to get at least a couple more on that list. And you know, then then I think the conversation will be somewhat legitimate at that point in time. So, but anyway, um, Jawan, do you have anything to add to that? Um, yeah. Well, listen, because I'm I'm on the fence. I understand what the reporters are trying to say and what the people are trying to say. It's, I don't think it's necessarily to take anything away from Jordan. Um, I think what people were trying not, to say not is if, if LeBron were able to beat these Warriors, it would be more impressive than the wins Jordan had had. Not that it's, you know, not to kind of lesser anything Jordan has done in their prime for All-Stars at I their agree. peak. Um, and for you to, you know, for LeBron to on a team where love's not consistent or Kyrie's not consistent, but he always is, um, that wasn't really an issue for Jordan. Jordan was always consistent. Pippen was always consistent, whether it was on the offense or defensive end. So if Pippen wasn't scoring, he was stopping whoever was scoring on the other side. So he, he had yeah, he was kind of, of, he was almost kind of like, the, the Clay Thompson of that time. Like, exactly, exactly. So, so yeah. I do give you, I do give you, he only had one all-star. Um, Jordan only had one all-star on his team. But I also keep trying to remind people, although he gets voted into them, Kevin Love is a star, not an all-star. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing we keep, we keep equating to. Kyrie is an all-star. That's definitely an all-star talent. Love is a star. To me, love is like a step. Well, see, I would say if you get voted in, you're an all-star. I would say Kyrie and LeBron but, are I superstars, mean, and love is not we, a superstar. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that then. Yeah, I'll give you. I'm that with that too. I'll give you that then. So LeBron has a superstar, and then an all-star or a star. I, I don't like the word all-star. Has a star um, in love. <laughs> Um, I just I really hate the term All Star. I really do. Um, so it, he's it, a hater, this, though. That's why it's all about uh, Kyle Lowry. He's such a hater. 
<laughs> I'm not getting into that conversation because uh, that will throw me completely off track. Um, no, Jordan has not had to face a team like this in the finals. He just hasn't. That, But that's not to lessen anything Jordan has ever done. I'll equate it to this, right? Joe Montana has never had to have a, what was it, 20-something point comeback to win a, a Super Bowl. Like, that was, like, the greatest comeback ever. But that doesn't mean that – got to take it back wins. to the Falcons, don't you? I see. I Always, see. I see. Uh, <laughs> no, but the point Nick. I'm trying to make is because it, 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 it's, it's, kind of, it's the same kind of conversation. You know, Joe Montana or, or, or Brady, who's, who's better? So everyone looked uh, at what Brady just did. And he comes out on top all the time. Anyway, well, everyone I, looked at I what think, Brady just did. I think did that's kind of decided now, though. Well, well, I think I think if I could admit that Brady's point. the greatest of all time, I think anybody should be able to admit that Brady's the greatest of all time. Well, well, here's my point then. You made that decision off of that Super Bowl, right? And how much well, he had to, how much it, adversity it, he had to come back from, right? Well, it's, it's more just his accumulative effort. Like he he's won five right. Super Bowls. He's the only quarterback to ever do that. Right. So what I'm like, saying it's just is different LeBron's, in different sports, you know. LeBron's in his seventh straight final. He's lost four, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, he he's lost four. Okay. But man, but like, see, I don't, I don't even like to count that one, um, in '07. What? I don't, I don't count that one either. So I go three. LeBron, I don't count that LeBron, one. I actually LeBron, forgot so that. So then, one. so by that I measure, he's that three and three. So what I'm saying is, if he loses this year, I don't hold that against him either. That's a juggernaut that no one that. The Warriors, the way they're constructed now, no one that is on the Mount Rushmore has ever had to play somebody assembled like that. No. Now, I'm I not totally saying agree. No, one, no one's ever just, had to play I'm, someone that great. So what I'm, I'm saying not, is if he loses, okay, go ahead, I don't hold that. I, no, I'm just saying, and I'm, I'm going to wrap it up. If he loses, I don't hold that against them. It's more so if they go out and they get someone big time next year, then he literally has no excuses. None, and I will have to hold that one against them because I can't just keep going, well, the Warriors are just great. The Warriors are just great. Like, at some point, you have to try to overcome the adversity because that's what all the other greats have had to do. Granted, they haven't had to face four in their peak all-stars. So, you know, it does make it a little – it does make it a lot difficult but if he goes out and gets a Mello or Paul George or Chris Paul or DeMarcus Cousins, then it starts to shave some of that down a little bit, and it eliminates of well, listen, man, they're just Golden State. Like, no. Like, you have to at some point make it competitive enough to where we can just go, well, they happen to be the better team, rather than just you didn't deserve to be on the same court as, as Golden State. Yeah, well, and I will give you this. I will say this about this particular matchup. Um, that like if you look at the best, what let's say each team has seven stars. We'll just leave it like that. Um, if you were to rank them, I think you would probably you would definitely have LeBron at number one, KD at number two. I think there's a conversation at least between Steph and and uh, and um, Kyrie. I think. But- you could you those, put, those two put, could go could go either way, but then after that you definitely have Draymond Green and 
Clay Thompson in whatever order you want to put them in ahead of Kevin Love. Yep. So I will give you yep. that without a doubt. Like Kevin Love, out of all the stars in this series, is the least talented of them all. He's the least athletic. He's the least versatile. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, God, and I can't, I can't say enough how great of a game he played yesterday. But like, I, but yeah, so I, I totally get what you're, what you're saying, Jawan. Um, I, uh, I just feel like you, you, every, you have to put everything in context. So you, you, I don't mind people saying that. I don't mind like if you're like, well, you know, like the, the adversity. You know, the, the way the talent is stacked is just not in LeBron's favor. Like, anybody who looks at this series on paper could could tell you, and we all agreed, even though Joel was hoping for, you know, a, a game seven, and I think that, that influenced his pick a little bit. But I think we all knew going in who was the favorite. And, like, you know, Jordan, Jordan certainly never had that. Um, I think uh, – there could only be maybe two series in which I wouldn't have thought he would have been the favorite. Um, right. But like Jordan I said, was the favorite going into every off season, and the same thing happened this year. The Warriors are the favorite before the season started. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but I don't think he was the favorite going into the to the ninety one season because he still hadn't no, no. ninety ninety one. He still he still hadn't beaten the Pistons. And he finally got over that hump, and then he still had to beat, you know, who most people considered the best player in the league at that still at that point in Magic Johnson. So, right, that, that um, pre <laughs> So I mean, you know, I, I think it's easy to to look back on it and say, well, yeah, of course Jordan won that series because you know Magic was, you know, he was getting old. But like, let's not forget, like I said, he had won four out of the last. Uh, I'm sorry, three out of the last five MVPs going into that year. So it's not like Magic was – the only reason Magic ret- retired is because he contracted HIV. It wasn't because he, you know, wasn't able to play anymore. Um, and James Worthy was still pretty young and a, and a very good all-star. Um, and then, like I said, with that Phoenix squad, man, the, that team was stacked. I still contend that was the best team that Jordan ever had to face was the Suns team. Because um, Barkley was balling straight out of his mind, and Dan Marley was a defensive, but just pest. And uh, Kevin Johnson is probably still one of the most underrated point guards of that era. Um, but nevertheless, uh, I'll end it with this, and then we'll move on. Um, even if you do want to contend, which you are, everyone is well within their right to say that they're that the majority of the series that LeBron has lost in the finals that he was not favored to win. I don't I don't think he was he wasn't favored to win um last year. He wasn't favored to win the year before because of the injuries that they suffered and he wasn't favored to win in two thousand seven. Um so I don't I don't think he was favored for any of those. But he was undoubtedly favored in 2011. He favored then, you're saying? <laughs> well, I mean, pretty much. I mean, see, I think they would. See, I honestly think they would have won in 2015 had they not gotten hurt. And then I think it was like poetic justice that Draymond got suspended and Boga got hurt, and they ended up winning because I don't think they should have won that year. 
I think those years should have sure. been flipped in all honesty. I, um, I agree. But, you know, that's just, that's just the way it goes. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that, they, that he at least got one for Cleveland. Like that's just, just like a magic moment when it happened. Um, but, um, and I might even give you the fact that, you know, the, that 2014 Spurs team, you know, granted, you know, Duncan was declining and Kawhi wasn't Kawhi yet, but you still had Parker and Ginobili in their primes balling out. Um, so he, you know, and, and D Wade was hurt and Bosch played okay, but not, not very great. Um, and sort of his diminished role. And that was probably one of the best finals LeBron ever played. Still gives no fucking passes for Dallas. You get no passes for that. So, like, that that I think that'll be the one that ends up haunting him. If if you were are to look back and really analyze his career, you know if he doesn't get six rings, um, or maybe even seven. So some people might say he needs seven since he you know Jordan's got the whole six and everything. I don't really buy into that. Um, but uh, but that'll be the one because there is no excuse. I mean, just like we were saying with with this matchup, how you know, the four their four players are at least better than than um, the Cavs' third best player in Kevin Love. Well, with that with that squad, their two best players were definitely better. Miami's two best players, Wade and LeBron, were definitely better than Dirk Nowitzki, and somehow Dallas still managed to win. There ain't no excuse that Dallas should have won that series. But, nope, but I was happy it, here. <laughs> oh yeah, me too, man. I was look, not not even because I'm a LeBron hater or anything, but I was rooting for Dallas in '06. So because I've always kind of liked Dirk, and so when they made it back in 2011, I was like, oh come on, man! Like I I didn't think I didn't think it was gonna happen, but it did. It's pretty cool. I'm all for um, the underdogs. I'm all for the underdogs. Hell yeah! If I don't have a horse in the race, that's where I'm going to. Exactly. Um, yeah. All right. So, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's take a quick look at, uh, our draft boards again. Um, let's run through this pretty quick. Uh, just you and me, Joel. Um, so we, we had gone through number 10 and I think our, our picks were pretty much the same players, just maybe in a, di- a slightly different order. Um, so anyway, with number 11, I'm thinking the Hornets take Zach Collins. Uh, he's a tall white guy, and they like tall white guys. <laughs> so, um, what do you think? Do you, th- do you think that's a smart well, assessment? I don't think – I know it's a great assessment, and that's why if Laurie Markkinen is still there, I think they go Laurie Markkinen. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, One way or the other, they're picking a tall white guy, though. We know that much to be true. It's happening. Jordan likes some yeah. tall white guys. Yeah, for some reason, man. He's got like four of them on his team now. Um yep. but yeah, no, I could see I could see marketing. Yeah, like whoever whether because one of Collins or marketing are gonna be available there. So whichever one it is, I think they go with that one. Um the Pistons have the number twelve selection. Um Donovan I have them taking Donovan Mitchell out of Louisville, the shooting guard. Um He's uh, they'd they be reaching down a little bit to get him. I think most places have him ranked uh, after the combine. He had a really good combine. Have him ranked around 15 or so. Um, 
but I still think he's the best shooting guard on the table. And just the way their cap is, I don't think, like, unless they can make a huge salary dump, I don't think there's any way they can keep Caldwell Pope. Um, I mean, he's a restricted free agent this year, so they can match it, but they're already, even with the new CBA, they're already over the salary cap by about $6 million. Um, I'd try to find a so, game with them. Do what now? I said I'd try to find a way to keep him if I could, if I was them. Yeah, I mean, I would too. They tried to trade um, Reggie Davis last year to the Magic. Um, they, I think they wanted to trade him for one of their, I think, Alfred Payton and um, uh, Jeff Green's expiring contract. So that way that right, would rate right. out $13 million or so. Um, so they could, you know, re-sign him. But the Magic were like, yeah, no, we we don't want we don't want Reggie Davis. <laughs> I don't blame him. Or Jackson, I'm sorry, <laughs> Reggie Jackson. Um, exactly. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, there's a few different people. I mean, Jared Allen would make a lot of sense if if I they saw, do. I saw that. Yeah, and I think he's generally considered like right around the 12th best player. So I mean, I could see that happening. I just think Donovan Mitchell because I I don't. I don't think they're going to be able to, like, move the contracts without giving up something that would make it a moot point to then bring back Caldwell Pope. You know what I mean? So I think they're just going to have to bite the bullet and, you know, let let Pope walk, take Mitchell, try to to groom him, um, and, you know, see how he does. I mean, at least he's a sophomore, so he's got a little more experience. Um He's he's a little undersized. He's six three, but he's got a six nine wingspan. So I don't I don't think he'll have too much trouble guarding you know most of the other two guards in the league, short of like your Chris Middletons, you know, who are just fucking like six eight. Um, I think, but they're underrating. So I see. I think you got him at a good spot. Honestly, I know a lot of people are. He they have him like late first round. I th- I could see him definitely going in the lottery possibly. Yeah, we'll see. I just think if if Given, given what you know, I I think they're going to do with Caldwell Pope. I think they need to take a two guard, and I don't trust Terrence Ferguson. I mean, he just didn't get any playing time playing overseas. I think he really kind of messed up not not playing in college. Um, and uh, I really don't trust Luke Kennard. I think a lot of people have him way too high, um, but I don't trust Duke players, man. Hawks have taken way too many fucking Duke players who turned out to be shitty NBA players. I do like Duke, so I'm not going to hate too much on the Duke players. <laughs> oh, no, but, I don't. I, it's, yeah, it's not as much about Duke as it is just like, I mean, there's a few really good Duke players. I mean, Grant Hill comes to mind, obviously. Um, but, like, yeah. I mean, you can go down the list, Christian Leitner, Jason Williams, Sheldon Williams, um, there's there's several others. Uh, I think Shane Battier was one of the better ones, but still they took he went at number three. And if you're taking number three overall pick, I think you want someone better than Shane Battier. Agreed. So I'm just always weary with those Duke players. Um, but uh, at number thirteen is the Nuggets, and I think I think Gallinari is going to walk. And I think they're going to be looking at the board saying, man, we like, we have, we already have a great center. 
Um, and we have our backup center as long as he's not going to cost us too much to resign. Um, so I think they even skip over Jared Allen, and I think they uh, roll the dice, roll the dice, and take OG on a newbie, on a nobie, on new nobie, however you pronounce that, out of Indiana. Um, I think if he didn't if he didn't have the injury, I think he would be even possibly even higher on the board. Like I could see him going in the top ten. Um, but that you know that that injury is um, is going to make people a little more cautious. Similar to Harry Giles, that's why Harry Giles has fallen down the draft board so much because you just don't know what you're going to get, you know, with, with somebody who you know has to have surgery. So, but I, I think they'll they'll roll the dice on him mainly because I he he can he's versatile. He can play the three or the four, the four, um, and they kind of lack depth there if Gallinari walks and Wilson Chandler's not happy and has wanted to leave for a while and they haven't really had a lot of success playing um I uh, forget his name uh Kenneth Fareed at the four he's been better in today's NBA just coming in and being the backup center so I think I think OG gives you a better opportunity than Justin Jackson because of his versatility um, what do you think about that? Do you think maybe they go Justin Jackson or somebody else? I was thinking Justin Jackson. I don't know if OG is still in the draft. I think he dropped out. Didn't he go, they go back to college? I don't think so. I could be wrong. Uh, I, I could certainly be wrong. Um, I think he's still in there. I, I mean, I remember looking at the rundown um, a, a little while ago. Um, but I might have, I might have missed it. No, he's in the draft. Yeah, he stayed. Did so. Yeah. So somebody will get a, should get a good deal on him so long as he can stay healthy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could see him going Justin Jackson too. The biggest thing they need a three, um, and he either one of those guys is a three and D guy. Um, I just think OG has the slightly better flexibility to drift to the four, whereas I think if you were going to play Justin Jackson out of position, the most likely scenario is moving him to the two. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't see him being able to – I don't think he has the muscle to play the four. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, it's, I could see either way, though, either way there, honestly. Uh, all right, so number 14 is the – what's up? I said I just, I missed it because one of the draft boards has him on going in the second round. So. Oh, yeah, there's been a bunch, man, that have dropped him way down. Uh, I mean, there may be some more recent boards that um that you know have have come out since they they've tested. You know, teams have worked him out with his injury, and maybe his injury is a little worse than I thought. Um, so you know that could very well happen. I uh, as little as maybe. Three or four weeks ago, I saw him going as high as ten to uh, to, to the um, uh, Kings, um, but I definitely don't think they'll risk that. So, um, so number fourteen is a Heat. Um, I I think they're going to go power forward, although they might they might not. Um, it, it, they they've got a lot of various options that they can do. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with you know who I who I my gut reaction, um, and I'm gonna say T.J. Leaf pick and pop guy out of UCLA 
um, power forward. Um, kind of like a poor man's Kevin Love. Um, I think uh, I think he could be a good fit. Um, either, you know, uh, maybe you can get a free agent to come in and he can back them up, or you can get re-sign uh, Johnson and, you know, work him in behind him. But I, I, I think that's the way that, that I'm leaning towards. What do you think? Uh, I don't dis- disagree. Um, I saw an assessment for them at the bio. I think that's the best uh, from Kentucky. I think he's a good, uh, good pick up there. I agree. I think it should be a power forward or at least a hybrid power forward center mm-hmm. or hybrid forward, you know, one of those. <laughs> So. Yeah, I've, I've I've seen several of the the hybrid. Like I saw before the combine, I saw John Collins up there, and he's that same kind of like hybrid four five player, like like Adebayo. Um But I think he's fallen down a little bit since the combine because he didn't test quite as well as you know some of the other guys. Um, so yeah, I could definitely see that too. I could see them wanting to have the versatility, you know, with the picks to be able to utilize them at the four or the five. Um, because I don't think they have a guaranteed uh, person to back up Whiteside for next year, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, they can certainly do that too. Um, uh, num- number 15 is the Blazers. I finally have somebody taking Jared Allen. <laughs> um, I, I mean, honestly, I think if you're the Blazers, like you're kind of playing with house money. you got three first-round picks. You're just going to take the best player available. And I think it's... It, if, if Allen falls to 15, he's definitely the best player available. So, Yeah, I'm the same boat. I say uh, between Collins or Adepayo or at least one of those guys. I say. So, yeah, somewhere, somebody in that range, whoever they feel like is going to be the best player. I personally think it's Allen. Um, and not to mention, like, with their cap problems, um, you know, their uh, the center that they just picked up from the Nuggets, um, Nurkic, he yeah. he has uh, only got one more year left on his deal. And honestly, I think the only reason that they traded to get him, and he turned out to, to fit in really well, but I think the only reason they traded to get him was to buy time because they're not sure what they're doing with their roster because they already have $140 million on the books next season, which is they'll be the highest paid roster next season unless Cleveland does some crazy shit. Um but yeah, they're. I think they might either try to trade Myers Leonard at some point throughout the season, or you know potentially go with um, letting Nurkic walk and work in Jared Allen. Um, for the Bulls, uh, I got them taking Terrence Ferguson. I feel like they need a shooting guard. I could see him going with Luke Kennard as well. Um, but I think I don't think Valentine's you know the guy. Um, you know, for the for the future, I don't see him being any really any better than a, just a, a backup. Um, so I think you you take like a shot him. on Terrence Ferguson. Go ahead. I, I said that I like him. I don't know. There's something about him that I I, I I like. I saw something in him last year. I know he didn't get a lot of playing time, but I, I just don't think he just he, he got enough time to sell himself off. I do. I think he needs more time to develop. That's all. That's why I feel. Yeah, like so. If you if they don't go with a shooting guard, what do you think they go with? I mean, they the only center that they have on the books next season is Lopez, and I believe the only power forward that they have officially on the books next year is Portis. 
So they have a lot of options as far as who they go with. You're right. Um, uh, well, if one of those power forward center hybrid falls, you can go there, or you can go with Justin Patton from Creighton. I mean, I think they go big. Yeah, I've seen Patton. I've seen Patton going uh, to them in a couple different ones, and I saw um, uh, uh, Ike uh, Enig Bogu. Um, out of UCLA, as high up as 16 on one of them. I think that's a little high for him, but um, just because it's like if if you're taking a raw player, you usually don't want it to be um, a center because just the way today's game is constructed, you know, like you'd be probably better off going with a different position. So I think one one more of those hybrid positions is probably a good way to go. Um, for the Bucks, I have him taking Justin Jackson. I have him falling down to 17. Um, and I think if he does fall down to 17, I think with his versatility, being able to play the two and the three, and they, they love their guys with length. Like, if you could put him in there, and you could you could even, because you have um, uh, uh, Giannis uh, playing, yeah, I could even see some lineups in which um, – you could have him run the point on offense and then you could have um basically Justin Jackson and um and Chris Middleton guarding the one and the two on defense because you know I think Jackson's it'll be interesting to see if he's got the foot speed for it but he's certainly got the length he's like six eight he's long um so I, I just think he would offer like a lot of different ways for them to experiment with that lineup uh, totally. Uh, I'm, I don't disagree with that. I'm just that team is just weird. They got all these long wing players. I think maybe they should go maybe a little bigger, more like again maybe hybrid power forward, small forward, forward center. Um, I, like I know you don't like Duke guys, but Harry Giles from Duke I saw was on the board. I like that one too. Yeah, I mean I could see that. I think I think he's kind of more of the. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily see him as much of, as a hybrid, as just a, a more prototypical center. Um, but like, I mean, I, I believe they're losing Greg Monroe. They're losing. Uh, I assume he's going to opt out of his contract, and they trade away um, Plumley. So the only like center they have on their books is John Henson, and then Thon Maker is those hybrid types who can play the, the four or the five. So and with with um uh with uh, what's his name uh being out um Jabari Parker being out at the you know for probably the first half of the season with his injury i could see them going there but i i i've like scoping down the draft board i think there's a couple guys that they could take uh that will drop and be available at their pick at i be i believe 44 um later in the draft where they could pick up you know, a, a pretty quality power forward. So that's kind of where my my head was at. And just their MO, just like Charlotte likes taking white dudes, white, big, tall white dudes, the Bucks like taking lanky dudes. Like, that's just what they do. They do. So. Maker super lanky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so at 18, Pacers, I got them taking John Collins. Figure they could work him in hybrid, work him in with Miles Turner and, you know, kind of, see what can come of that. Um, 
I think they could go a, a bunch of different routes, though. Like, it's just really going to – they're, they're kind of have a hard team to predict because you don't know what they're going to do with Paul George. So, if they decide they're definitely moving Paul George, I could see them, you know, trying to either gamble on somebody or try to take somebody more uh, kind of closer to his position, like maybe even uh, Rodion's Curix or something like that. Um, but I think they're kind of tough. What do you think? I agree with you. Um, that's a tough choice. Um, mainly because I don't know what's going to happen with them. And, like, it all depends on what happens to George because if George leaves, you're kind of rebuilding, and I don't want to – at this point, you're, there's nobody I feel comfortable saying you could build around, so you need, like, pieces. So, like, Luke Kennard's up there. I don't even like him either, but I think that would be a good piece for their current yeah. team. Shooter, they can use a shooter, but I don't see like I wouldn't go Luke Kennard if they didn't have Paul George. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it, it just it's it's really just all kind of depends on yeah on what they what they are trying to accomplish. Um, so yeah, I mean I I I think they'll be really interesting. Um, I, and I think it'll it might even be a little telling to see who they end up taking as far as to you know what they're their plans will be, and if they, you know, try to make some kind of move happen. Yeah. Uh, at number 19 are my Hawks. Um, man, there's there's people that I would want to take, and then there's who I think we're going to take um, because Millsap can walk and Ilyasova can walk and Scala can walk. Uh, we need a... Like with with what we have right now, I think we need one of those hybrid forward centers combos. Um, I I could see Bam Adebayo, Adebayo, um, or I could see Ivan Rab. Um, so really, it's kind of just a coin toss between the two of them. Um, I, like I kind of like I, I like Ivan Rab a little bit more, even <laughs> though he didn't have a really good season at Cal. Um, but you know. It, I, you know, I could see either one, but I, I think it's got to be that that somebody in that kind of position, that vein. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't. I definitely think I like. I don't know. It's not about Ivan Rab. I do like. So I'm with you there. Um, Hawks are another conundrum because uh, Paul Millsap and mainly Paul Millsap because that's 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 the key right there, right? I mean, Dwight Howard is not yeah. really the key of a asset now. Paul Millsap is the key and how that's going to go. And either you go with Millsap and Howard and keep them around and rebuild. I mean, not rebuild and go forward or you lose Millsap and then you try to rebuild and just kind of keep Howard around and you have Schroeder and uh, Tomato Jr. and Prince. So maybe you go big like Ivan Rapp. I'm with you. Yeah, word. Uh, all right, last one for tonight, uh, the Blazers with their second pick. Um, I think they're going to take take a draft and stash here, um, mainly because they um, only have one open roster spot, which they could certainly cut people. But, like, I don't, I don't think you necessarily want to pay more money to a first-round pick if you don't have to. And even that far down in the draft at number 20, they're probably going to be making about 1.8, 2.2 million dollars. 
So I'm in that range, I think, with the salary cap having gone up. Um, and they don't want to pay any more money. They're already paying the luxury tax. So I say you take Rodian's Curix if he's available. If he's not available, I say you take Isaiah Hardenstein. One of those two guys are the two best um, uh, foreign players after uh, Nilakina. So whichever one. I, I have Curix on my board, um, but like I said, I think it's possible that the Pacers may try to snag him a little earlier. And, you know, in that case, I would take Hardenstein. What do you think? I think they're going to trade that pick. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, there's been the talk with the Knicks. Apparently, Phil Jackson's I interested. I And I, so am I. So, luckily, we're on the same page. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for once in your life, you're on the same page <laughs> with Phil. <laughs> yeah. For, I'm like, hey, yo, get someone else. I'd love to see... I agree with I agree with making that move. I think we can use another person. Um, I'm not, I'm totally with it. If that's the if that's the direction he wants to go, I'm all for it. Um, but if I'm the Blazers, I'm, I agree. I probably go. I, I'm, if they go stash, I, I got quirks too. But I don't trust aside from their their center. Uh, I don't really trust their big much, so maybe they they need some more depth. Um, well, they definitely they definitely need um, like right now their starting power forward for the playoffs was Noah Vonley. <laughs> like no, so you gotta you gotta see. I mean, I I don't know why they see. I think you could get away with running Mo Harkless at the four and playing Aminu at the three. Yeah, and then just trying to work with that, but yeah, they they've got to do something. Um, they've got to do something on the block because really, right now, all they have that's reliable is Nurkic, um, as far as like block players. Right, totally. Like I agree. It's like it's it's a, a ridiculous, in my opinion, because like. Uh, what was I saying? I already forgot. What I was gonna say um, they're a weird team. Like I, I, like I told you earlier, I'm like I think it should be the reverse. I, I don't know. Harkless is probably a better three than he is a four. And and um, what's his name? I can't remember his name. I, I mean, you just said it. I mean, Exactly. Alfredo is probably a better four at this point in his career than a three. Uh, yeah, probably. In my my opinion, you you don't do traditional four or five anymore. It's not really a thing. If you want to keep one, fine, but you need at least one, maybe a, a hybrid traditional four or five or four or four three, and you have that that hybrid at least coming off the bench. If you're gonna go, let's say Kevin Love, right? Kevin Love is the new the new power forward. You know, he can rebound, yeah. he can shoot. You know, that's how power forwards they go now. They're stretch fours, yeah. more more or less. Because if you yeah, can't absolutely. shoot, you shouldn't be power forward at this point. <laughs> um, yeah. But then, of course, you need those wings, those those agile wing three fours, like let's say uh, Marvin Marvin Williams, like on on Hornets, like those guys, those six nine wing wing guys that they're just they don't have the handles to play small forward basically. <laughs> so it's yeah. like. You definitely need at least one of each on your team going forward, and I think that's where the Blazers should definitely look forward to in the draft. I'm not sure exactly who would fit that, and you know, particularly, <laughs> but um, yeah. 
Well, and that's the thing in a nutshell. But I do agree with you. Like, I mean, I think if you're if you're going into a playoff series, obviously you want to have your starters, and then ideally you want to have an eight man rotation, and to back up your starters, you get a guy to run your point guard, you get a guy who can run your your two and your three, who's versatile, kind of like a Jimmy Butler, obviously the less talented Jimmy Butler. But then you get a, a, a hybrid who could run either the four or the five, you know, whatever you need. Yeah. And, yeah, Small you run ball. an amen. Yeah, exactly. And just gives you a little versatility of different, you know, looks that you can give them. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe go nine deep if you want to have a guy who can plug in and play either the three or the four. Um in there as well, but um, but yeah, I mean it'll be interesting. I think I think if they, you know, if they are making a trade with the Knicks, I think it's going to be you're you're not going to have to give up hardly anything because they're just going to be trying to dump salary. So they're probably going to try to send you like Alan Crab for nothing, no you know, for like an expiring contract or or something like that, and then, you know, pick, there would be some kind of pick involved there. Or maybe maybe Myers Leonard, maybe they want to get rid of him because he's worth about $10 million a year. But the last thing the Knicks need is another center. You have, like, four of them. <laughs> we do. So, we yeah. do. So we don't – And that's not, even count, that's not even counting Porzingis, mind you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We have more than so, big men. Yeah. But you, you definitely need wings. So Alan Crabb, maybe I don't know. Maybe that does work, and maybe you know. I um, see. I just don't know. I don't. I don't know if I would. If I would want to dump Alan Crabb and give up a pick to dump Alan Crabb. You know what I mean? Huh. But maybe. Maybe if they're that desperate, you never know. I'll take. <laughs> I won't complain. Yeah. That. Yeah. No kidding, right? Um, all right, well, uh, so that's the draft board uh, for today. I want to take a second to spotlight um, an NBA charity that I, I saw recently. This is our segment called Charity Stripe. Uh, Sean Kilpatrick um, of Brooklyn Nets fame, um, hardly famous. Um, he's just yeah. a young, young guard, plays, plays for the Brooklyn Nets. He works with a, a group called Children of Promise. And basically what Children of Promise do is they, they try to mentor young kids who have a, a parent who has been incarcerated. And Sean Kilpatrick, unfortunately, knows that all too well. He uh, His father um, was sentenced to, I think, a three-year jail sentence that he served two years of for uh, illegally trafficking cigarettes in Maryland. And so, you know, Sean, Sean Kilpatrick had to grow up uh, you know, right in the, the the middle of when you need your dad the most um, without a father. Um, and uh, so now, you know, they've reconnected, obviously, because, you know, I mean, he got out. He wasn't serving hard time, long time or anything. But, uh, you know, and, and they've, you know, made the best of their relationship going forward. And so what he does is he, he helps out with this charity, Children of Promise, and, you know, gives back his time to the community and to these kids who are going through the same thing that he went through when he was their age and uh, just tries to be a positive mentor in their life. And I just think that's awesome. Like good, good on you, Sean Kilpatrick. Like you're not, you know, he's not even really even in the position that he's going to, he's not really like a famous enough ball player to get like 
you know, super amount of praise or recognition for it. Um, so I just wanted to give a shout out to him on our show um, and just say that's that's pretty awesome. Um, pretty good, actually. So, all right. I like Sean Copeland. Yeah, good. man, he just seems like a nice guy, you know. And obviously, um, you know, with this, he he certainly is. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna do a couple free agents. We got about thirteen minutes left. We got a caller on here. Um, nope. If uh, caller, if uh, if you want to talk, uh, if you have some input, push one. If you're just here to listen, just continue listening. Um, so we're gonna go on the perimeter. We got some free agents to talk about. We pretty much already touched base on all of our um, Chris Paul stuff last week, and. I further elaborated on it <laughs> on some crazy shit this week. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to talk Blake Griffin, um, uh, Joel. Uh, you know what? Where? What do you think is the best fit for Blake Griffin? Do you think he should stay with the Clippers, or do you think there's another team out there that that would fit him better? Uh, there's probably another team out there that fits him better. I don't know if he would want to leave. I don't know why anybody would want to leave LA. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> career I'm not sure why LA would want to keep him either it's kind of one of those like I don't want to leave we don't want to let you go but at the same time we're probably better off without each other it's like one of those yeah. situations it's yeah. sad it's like Blake, story Blake of my player. life with every girl I've ever dated <laughs> sad that's very sad yeah well but uh, it's true this guy just can't seem to stay healthy you know and he's a talented kid um, I just don't know if he fits with that current team. And if Chris Paul leaves, it's like almost it's I don't it's even less likely they get rid of Blake Griffin, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it certainly is. Um Jawan, uh you still there, man? <laughs> Jawan quit. Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> no, uh, still here. so what what do you think? Uh Blake Griffin, you think he should stay in LA or you think uh you think he should move on? Actually, I'm going to throw a curveball at you guys. There's two places I'm pitching for uh, Blake to go. One's OKC. Um, him and Russ could definitely be a great dynamic between the two of them. Or Boston. Or have him go to Boston. If he can remain healthy, he could definitely help boost that team. And honestly, what you could do is you can kind of try to see if you can get um, him and Hayward at a reasonable price. Um, and that three combo between Isaiah, Hayward, and Blake could be enough to really help them make some noise in these. Yeah, they, they're they're not going to have enough money to get both of them. Um, no They way. would have to pick. Um, but I, I still do give that a lot of credence because the thing is, like, as much as as much as I feel like Hayward, like, fits there. I mean, Boston loves their, like, you know, solid white guy players, and Gordon Hayward need- certainly fits that. Um, they need but, <laughs> but they yeah, I mean they need they need a power forward. They like if they're going to go out and get a free agent and they can't make a trade for a power forward on a rookie contract, then you know they're they're screwed because they if they go out and get somebody, then they have to let Olenek walk and they have to let uh, Johnson walk, and then they don't have the only power forward they have is Yabusele to bring up. Um, so basically, he can. Uh, you know, be a rookie. Like you, you got to have more depth than that. So Blake, I think to Boston makes, I think that makes some good sense actually. Um, so yeah, and I think uh, my pick. Uh, we got uh, our caller. He does 
he or she does want to talk, so we're going to uh, click them in here. And uh, so I'm clicking you in, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and give my uh, assessment of where Blake should go, and then I'll throw it to you. Um, so uh, I, I'm thinking Miami, man. Like, and the reason being is, like, mm-hmm. waiters, the cap hold for waiters isn't a lot. Now we've officially got word that, that Bosch is going to be off the books. If they can bring in, uh, you know, somebody like sure. Blake Griffin, and you know you know that, that – uh, that Pat Riley's the, one of the best people at selling people on Miami. And you know what, Joel? Like, I feel you. Like, why would you want to leave L.A. to go to Miami? <laughs> like, That's if, a good point. at least, yeah, at least geographically speaking, I mean, you're not you're not losing much there. It's still a very kind of hopping place. Blake would be the man there. He would have Gordon Hayward. They could re-sign waiters. Um, Justice Winslow would be healthy again. You got Whiteside. You're not going to win a championship, but you're not going to win a championship in LA either. So, yep. Uh, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, go down to Miami, get yourself a change of pace, play with some new guys, and you know, just do you. Um, all right, caller, uh, you're you're on the air with us. Uh, who's calling and what you want to tell us? Yeah, this is Nas from earlier. Uh, in and out listening, so you know how it goes, man. But uh, yeah, yeah. But Blake Griffin, <laughs> the thing with Blake Griffin is there's a lot of people around the league wondering if he's an empty calorie guy who gives you 20 and 10, but it's not necessarily an effective 20 and 10 that really determines the game. So this is the right. time really to kind of buy low on him. So all teams yep. out there should be pursuing him right now because there's really – no lower time in his value that you'll be able to actually snatch him up. So everybody should be aggressive. But the one thing I would say is guys like Ballmer, when they buy a team, they typically get their favorites. And when they center on a favorite, that guy typically doesn't go anywhere, even if they have to overpay. So I think Ballmer's going to open the vault, and no matter what, he's not going to let Blake leave. And honestly, as, as injury-riddled as Blake has been, how much longer do we have an effective CP3 anyway uh, as far as right. years to go? So, I mean, if you're making a choice between the two, I hate to do the old school big versus small thing, but I, I think it leans more towards uh, him than CP. Yeah, well, and, and from I heard a report, too, um, that, you know, one of the things that Chris Ball is doing right now and kind of entertaining the idea of San Antonio, which I think, we covered this last week. None of us think he's going to San Antonio because they just don't have enough room, cap room, to be able to work him in. Um, but uh, there's there's at least a rumor floating around that he wants to try. He wants them to move DeAndre Jordan. Um, that whatever kind of relationship that they have, and Chris Ball seems like a super serious guy, and DeAndre Jordan seems kind of more that Dwight Howard, fun-loving, big guy, you know, in the middle. Um, so, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if they do try to move DeAndre Jordan, what they would be able to get back in exchange for him, and then maybe you get something back and then you can bring Blake back and, and just get, like, a younger center in there. Um, or maybe even, you know, get get some kind of four, get a get a versatile four who can get rebounds, and you can even run Blake at the center. So, 
Um, hey, man, when, when you said know. that, the only thing that popped in my mind was uh, Chris Paul jumping up and down and pointing at the rim when DeAndre wouldn't shoot that time as the clock right. was expiring. That one game, that's all I could think of. Yeah, he's probably tired of DeAndre. I, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that whole situation plays itself out. A lot of interesting free agency stuff this year. Um, yeah. So I think we got about we got about five minutes, so we can uh, we can touch base on one more. I'm gonna do my boy Paul Millsap. Um, I'm mm-hmm. a Hawks fan, so this is near and dear to my heart. Um, honestly, I think the Hawks should sign and trade him to Portland. Um, they've got three first round draft picks. Um, they're not gonna give you all three of them by any means, but you can you can help help them with their their cap space because they've got. $140 million on the books, and if they're going to have $140 million on the books, they might as well have a third all-star or even a first all-star. I, I mean, McCollum and and um, and Lillard are, are there talent-wise, but they haven't, you know, I don't think McCollum's made it yet, and Lillard's only made it once and didn't make it last year. But if you were able to right. put Millsap on that roster and only ask back for, like, say, Crab, a couple expiring contracts, and then I say two of those, uh, first rounders this year, the, the the later two, so number twenty and number twenty six, I believe. Um, I still think you're getting enough back from the Hawks. You're getting two more additional first rounders, so you're not letting Paul walk for nothing. And you're kind of doing Paul Millsap a favor and saying, hey, we're gonna send you. Like obviously, you know, we we can't we can't get you on Cleveland and get you the money you want and get any kind of return. And you know, Golden State's fucking stacked. They're set. So we'll send you to Portland with those other two guys and some, some you know, a, a pretty good roster around you with a lot of depth. And, you know, maybe you can – I still don't think you're going to be able to challenge Golden State, but, hey, they would have a lot better shot, would they not? Yeah, they would. So, uh, Caller, uh, what, what do you think about that, man? Yeah, I mean, this is a solid move for Atlanta. I don't know if that's – such a solid move for Paul, though. I, I think he would look at that West as, okay, if I'm with Portland, does that really push us where we want to be? And I, I think I think he's thinking uh, bigger things than that. So I don't know if Paul would be so open to it. But the, I guess the biggest problem with Atlanta is we're so scared of the fan base running away if we start rebuilding. So we're kind of doing this right. whole 10-year holding project of just being a playoff team. Uh, not right. necessarily a second-round team, just a playoff team. So, I mean, yeah. at a certain point, though, we got to jump, man. You you can't just stand here on this ledge forever and be scared to make a move. So, be bold. Try yeah, as well, much, try many moves you can. Yeah, well, and my thing, too, is we already have $70 million on the books next year. 62 if you're if you're counting, uh, if, if you're saying we're going to cut Dunleavy and we're going to uh, Ryan Kelly. Um, but nevertheless, she got between 62 and $70 million on the books next year. I mean, I, even if you were to ask Paul Millsap for a discount, like he could he could sign a contract north of $35 million. A discount for him would be like 28 $30. So even if you make that, even if you make that deal, you're already right up against the salary cap. And you're not – you're already losing – Ilyasova, you're losing uh, Hardaway if you don't, you know, you would, you you need to keep Hardaway. Um, so I just don't see how we can make it work with all the cap space. So that's why I say if you can find a place to sign and trade him, do that. 
um, to try and send him some send him to somewhere better than where he could just go to sign on his own. Yeah, but so. I'm kind of scared of the hometown discount offer because that's kind of what uh, kind of made Al and his people mad uh, when he took the trip yeah. to Boston. So uh, mm-hmm. it, it's like it's either do it or don't as far as I'm concerned. You talk to him about the sign and trade or you sign him long term. Because, look, man, I'm down here in Atlanta. And after I've seen that Joe Johnson contract get moved, I'm of the opinion that anybody can be moved eventually. So even if <laughs> yeah, he doesn't sit on the roster for a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a miracle, man. I, I couldn't believe we were able to pull that off. Um, well, hey, man, uh, thanks so much for calling in. We're going to uh, have to wrap up the show. Um, next time we'll try to get you in earlier so uh, we can get your input a little bit more, man. All right, man. Y'all have a good one. All right, man. You too. So, uh, yeah, guys, thank you so much for joining us again for another episode of Full Court Press. We had a good time with it. Uh, We'll be back next week, talk about the finals. Hopefully they'll still be going on. Hopefully they won't be over. Uh, Joel, thank you, man, as always. Out, man. I'll continue my Paul Millsap rant next week. (laughs) (laughs) Word. All right. Yeah, brother. Um, And then, then, uh, Joel, thank you. Absolutely, guys. Word. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Peace out. Later. Peace.